to the Modern Lady Podcast. I'm Michelle. And I'm Lindsay, and we are so happy that you're here joining us. So today our topic is the glorification of busyness and what that looks like and what that means to the modern lady. But first, Lindsay, how was your week? It was great. Uh, We got back from our 11 days away on a road trip. Um, It was hectic, you know, away. We went to Montreal and Quebec City and Sutton, Quebec and Vermont. And so with the four kids and a lot of driving for my husband, it was it was awesome. It was a great time away. And now I'm dealing with the aftermath, the laundry, the unpacking, oh, uh, the exhausted yes. kids. I feel like a truck hit me. I need a vacation now after our vacation. <laughs> um, so that's that's been our week. And and we're officially getting back into homeschooling. Um, so today was our first day back with workbooks and that sort of thing, because m- September was packing and then and then the actual road trip. So that that's where yeah. I'm at. How about you? Uh, We're doing great. We had kind of the opposite kind of a weekend, which is strange in our worlds and ties into our topic. We were not busy and that was very weird, Uh, but we ended up taking the kids bike riding um, through some of the trails near our house and that was a lot of fun. My husband is an avid mountain biker. And so the kids have grown up seeing him always leave to go bike riding. And uh, for the first time they got to go and there was something about being under the trees and not having to worry about traffic that was blissfully peaceful. It was. That's amazing. Wow. Yes. Nobody fell off their bikes? Well, I was just going to say there was minimal damage. (laughs) Uh, My one son fell off into the bush, which we checked. There is poison ivy in that trail, but not in that particular spot. So his guardian angels were watching over uh, all of us. Um, But I said, oh, you know, you're trying to distract him. I'm like, that was so cool, buddy. And he was like, no, that was so not cool. (laughs) But he got back on, so we're all good, and we're set to try that again. That was a really nice. I really uh, admire that you guys did that. I can barely, like, I don't own a bike because I fall off into bushes, um, <laughs> but I can barely go around the neighborhood walking while my kids are biking because it's just chaos. But like you said, on a trail, there wouldn't be the traffic, and I think that that's what terrifies me when they're riding around the neighborhood is I'm constantly seeing cars backing out of their driveways. So maybe yes. we need to hit up a trail. Yes. Well, come with us because the key is more adults to children Mm -hmm. ratio. Yes. I could not do it by myself. But with my husband, he rode his bike and he stayed in front and I walked so I could pick up children as I catch up to them. (laughs) That's excellent. Yes. And so between the two of us, we were okay. But yeah, I could not have done that alone. So yeah, highly recommend. That's awesome. This week's etiquette tip Lindsay has for us is another gem from Emily Post. Right, Lindsay? Yeah. So I was looking up just some of her basic dinner tips. And when I say basic, I mean basic. I was expecting a few more gems from Mrs. Post, but it was basic things like, you know, choose chew with your mouth closed and don't reach for food across the table. But there was one thing that I read that really jumped out at me. And she said that... um, You're not to lean with your elbows on the table, as we all know, when you're eating, but 
It is acceptable to lean with your elbows on the table when in between courses and when you're involved in conversation with the other dinner guests. And this is something um, I've been privileged enough to go to a few fine dining like really fine dining restaurants in my life. And I've naturally done that. And and I've it's gone through my head while we've been there. I'm like, should I be doing this? You're not supposed to put your elbows on the table. But it mm-hmm. felt so natural when I was doing it. And I really feel like, I don't know, I would have I would have felt like it was very gauche if I was doing it in, improperly. So mm-hmm. I always just went with it. So I, whenever we would be um, in between courses, I would. I would put my elbows on the table and I would lean forward because I think part of it is, it's a very quiet atmosphere in a very, you know, fine dining establishment. And so you do want to lean in. You're not going to yell to your company and talk. Yes, so you do kind yeah. of lean in and talk quietly. And so I've always done that. And so to know now that it is actually socially acceptable and that it is proper etiquette to do that, not only in our time, but back in Emily Post's time, um, that is a great piece of information. I'm happy I learned that. So you can put your elbows on the table in between courses when you're engaged in conversation. You know what, Lindsay, I am fascinated by this because I worked for a summer at a camp Mm. and I'm sure this is a common practice amongst all many summer camps and there are consequences for putting your elbows on the table because it is rude, Mm -hmm. as Emily states. But if you are a camper and you're like savvy, knowing this information, Mm -hmm. you can get out of a lot of... um, embarrassing shall we say situations (laughs) you can just throw it right back at them and someone calls you out for your elbows on the table oh no 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 No. i was in between my courses yes and i was trying to keep my volume down as i converse with johnny yes across the table (laughs) excellent see proper etiquette changes everything it can change your life even if you're seven it does if you're seven at camp (laughs) that's awesome Today's topic is busyness. And in today's culture, we have this huge glorification of being busy. When you ask someone, how are you? We don't even get the substandard fine anymore. We get busy, you know. But that hasn't always been the case, or it has. How is it different now? These are the things that we're going to dive into today. So, Lindsay, you've been doing some historical comparison, and you found some stats on Um, what busyness was like? Yeah, I I found, well, one good stat. And I just, a lot of the other things were just perusing through newspapers from the 1930s. Um, I happened Mm -hmm. to be digging up some family information, but one, a bunch of things kept jumping out at me from reading these newspapers. And I saw how busy the women were back in the 30s, as this should be no surprise to us, but all of the committees that they were on were listed in the paper, who was bringing which sandwiches and which salad to the conference or, you know, to the picnic in the park that weekend. Uh, These women were busy and they were industrious and they were like, all of this was plastered all over the newspaper. And in addition to those, there was also all of the visiting details This kind of ties into when we had our podcast on social media. Um, It seems like there's always been a desire amongst women, perhaps, um, and people to just share their daily, their daily lives. And so this was the case, even in a newspaper from the 1930s, it would say something like, you know, so-and-so is visiting so-and-so. And I'm looking at this realizing just like our lives have always been busy. They truly have. Yeah. Um. Like I was saying before, it's like that is the automatic response. Anytime 
someone asks you, how are you? Uh, busy is not even a state of you know, emotion or, <laughs> or anything like that. And, and yet that is what we default to it because somehow being busy is looked upon mm-hmm. uh, positively. Absolutely. It's, we're so, so busy, yet we're also incredibly lonely. And so when I keep looking back on this, and, and because I love looking at what it looked like in history and for the previous generations, and I compare it now, I just keep being struck by how it's not working. Our way isn't working either. And, you know, just talking to so many women, and so many of them don't want to admit at first that um, that it's not working because they've scheduled all of this and, and they're approaching their family life the same way they would approach their corporate job with, you know, daily planners and scheduling and and trying to maximize success for everybody and and all of these things and hit all their goals. But nobody's happy. And and I'm really saying that I know I'm generalizing, but I really have talked to quite a lot of women and and it's not working. And so what can we do to change this? Because there is a lot, despite the fact that we're always with other people, whether we're dropping off our kids at soccer practice or dance or whatever, there's always other people around. But like we were saying with social media, we're not making those deep connections because we're just always running. And so, so busy, yet so lonely, so much anxiety, so much failure. We feel like we're failing on all these friends. Um, it's not working. So what... What are you doing in your life to try to combat this? Yeah, so I was actually reading a book called At Home with Madame Chic. And it is a collection of books, actually, uh, written by Jennifer L. Scott. And she lived in Paris for a time in her early 20s. And she boarded at this Madame Chic's boarding house. And she just wrote about the things that she observed this woman doing. She just seemed to be... Uh, such a lady and what was it about her that gave her this quality and one of the things in this particular book at home with Madame Chic she talks about how this woman was never uh, harried or never seemed hectic like she was never in a rush anywhere that's hard to uh, put into practice (laughs) in our Mm -hmm. lives especially with young children that's a really hard thing to do Um, but that there is this internal peace and this internal calm that we can strive for and that when done well I think that these are skills that we can practice you know it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be something that you just decide to be one day I'm just not going to be harried anymore (laughs) Uh, you know I don't I don't I think we have the wrong mentality when it comes to that but to think of it as like a skill that you work on little bit by little bit to become a little bit uh less hectic in your day-to-day and take the steps necessary to make your schedules follow suit and eventually you'll get there. Mm -hmm. So some of the things that we are trying to implement uh, to cut back a little bit on our schedules is uh, in terms of extracurriculars for our kids. They can so easily get overwhelming and we at this point only choose three for our kids. Uh, We try to pick things that we think they'll use uh, even outside of that particular sport. So like life sports skills, like swimming, swimming lessons, skating lessons, living in Canada, that's important to us, and piano lessons, because music is an important part of our family life. 
And uh, between those three things, we will make time for those we feel they're important. But everything else at this point, it's going to have to either wait until we feel comfortable adding it in, or it might just not be a priority, you know? Yeah. And is this a conversation that you and your husband have where you reevaluate, you know, uh, kind of frequently? Yes. Yeah. So, um, for example, last spring, we did put the kids into soccer. Uh, We felt that it was important for them to experience a team sport at that particular phase in their lives. But because we did that, we backed off for a session of swimming and we hadn't started skating yet. So we just backed off on a lot of other things to make room for soccer because even though we wanted it to be an important part of our our kids' development and growth, we still were not willing to sacrifice the extra time that it would have taken away from our at-home and our our family downtime to do all the things. Absolutely. Um, One of the things that we're doing, um, they always talk about saying no, right? Like there's been a lot of articles over the last couple of years about learning to say no. And I think that those are good articles. And I think there's a reason for that. And I know that it is really, really hard uh, to do that to to friends that you haven't seen in a while, to family, uh, for birthday parties, all that sort of thing. But we have to, we have to do that. And, And I'm all about being apologetic. There's this other movement about not apologizing all the time for stuff. But no, you could be sorry that you can't go to things, but your family should come first. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have any trouble saying no? Um, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Saying no is such a counter natural thing for me. Uh, That is a skill I must conscientiously practice uh, because I want to say yes. I don't want to disappoint people. I have always been a people pleaser. And so if I can sacrifice any part of my life in order for you to think highly of me, Mm. I'm very apt to do that. And uh, it's only been recently that I have actually tried to practice saying no. But I have heard a theme coming up in a lot of the articles that discuss this, that, you know, saying yes to things means you must say no to something at the same time. So to consider what is it you're saying yes to uh, and what is it then that you're saying no to that's taking its place. So if you're saying yes to too many um, engagements, events, or even too many um, service initiatives in the community, too much of a good thing, right? Uh, What are you saying no to? Are you saying no to um, developing a hobby or a skill that gives you life or gives you energy? Um, Are you saying no to being home a lot of the time to see your kids or spend time with your husband or just even being able to relax and take a moment, right? What are you saying no to? And I thought I found that was very, very helpful to keep in mind as I work to stop being so much of a yes man. (laughs) Yep. I think something I was thinking about too, is that um, when you're home every day, there's no sense of the weekend, right? We always say, what's a Friday? I stay home every day with my kids. There's no such (laughs) thing as a weekend. And when I really started thinking about that, 
Um, and I have to say too, so my husband always worked crazy hours and never had like a normal weekend off. We never had that life. So we never had, um, a Monday to Friday life until the last two years. And we actually have it right now for the first time in 18 years. And now I get the idea of the Friday. Like we never had that. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I see how exciting it is when he has finished work for the week and then he's home. I found that in order for me to actually appreciate the rest, I actually had to work a little harder. So mm -hmm. the days where um, I get up and I actually get up early and I start working hard and I get a whole bunch of things done and I crash on the couch and my legs are actually aching from walking up and down the stairs and working hard all day, I savor that time. In order for me to actually really feel the relaxation, I sometimes actually up my production at home, if that makes sense, so I can really earn that rest. Yeah, it's like that concept. I forget who said it. Uh, I think it was a saint um, that you can't enjoy the feast without the fast. Oh, yeah. It's fashion. Is it Fulancheen? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. That guy is everywhere. <laughs> yes, he is. So <laughs> there can be so no much. Easter Sunday without Good Friday. And it's yes. the same concept. Like, there has mm -hmm. to be the feast and, and fasting um, mentality in our lives, right? Right. But there is something, if you really want to enjoy the feeling of being relaxed, you have to put in the adequate amount of work and then you feel that. But that's not the same as the glorification of being busy. That's It's not the same thing because it comes down to a mindset. And I think that's what we're trying to talk about here um, yeah. Yeah, because we all have stuff to do. Yeah. Yeah. Because there are, like you said, there are phases, right? And so part of this idea of um, the feasting, fasting mentality, the work hard so you can enjoy your rest thing. Uh, mm -hmm. I know that for me, part of it was acknowledging and respecting where I was because when, for example, when you just have a baby, mm -hmm. right, and you you don't have the luxury of establishing that dichotomy in your life mm -hmm. um, and knowing that that's okay and even just knowing in your head but one day, you know, yep. one day yep. things will get back. And when that time comes, I will be ready and I will do it. Even Absolutely. just the acknowledgement of that and your plan makes makes all the difference. You're absolutely right. And one of the things when I was running a homemaking group is that so many women were like beating themselves up because they couldn't get stuff done that day. I'm like, you just had a baby. Yes. Like I am a super productive person in my house every day, but don't think that I don't let it all slip when I just have a baby. And mm -hmm. you have to be gentle on yourself. And I think that um, this, this, again, this glorification of being busy is we're all about having the nice new planner and we schedule that planner. And then when we fall, when it all falls apart, Part, um, which it inevitably will because yeah. we are busy women, the, the deep feelings of failure that we feel and then we beat ourselves up, that mm -hmm. isn't serving anybody at all either. And then you just collapse. So like the idea of all these chore charts and these to-do lists and all, I'm all for being productive and being organized, but you have to reevaluate all the time and step back and go, is this working today for my family? Is this working for my marriage? Is this working for my faith life? Is this working for my children? Mm -hmm. And if it's not, you have to change something. Right. You have 100% power over that. Yeah. And that the change will happen all the time. Mm -hmm. I know I had to learn that too, because I am a list maker. So I, I do love my planner. Uh, but there are 
there are some weeks where I am just ticking off all the boxes and Mm -hmm. I'm feeling really, really great. And then there are other weeks where I'm like, I need to sleep. Yes. (laughs) Like, oh my goodness, I I can't. And this is just like week to week. And I'll look at my to-do list. I'm like, well, that can wait. And this can wait. I really need to get this done. So I will just work on focusing on this one thing. And then I will accept the limitations of my body today. And tomorrow we'll reevaluate and we'll change it all over again. But yeah, this um, it, it serves nobody when you are so strung out trying to perform. It's like busyness as a performance. That yeah, is you're absolutely the right. enemy. <laughs> you're absolutely right. And like we were saying, nobody seems joy-filled or joyful when they're living like that. Yeah, that's something that is really missing in our culture. It's it's on all the time, twenty four seven, to pick a time and to pick priorities that are off limits to everything else. That's something I don't really have a lot of experience in. We haven't reached that level of success. Uh, I would I would consider it like fully we are um, safeguarding that time. How about you, Lindsay? I listened to an excellent talk a couple of years ago about keeping the Sabbath holy and how um, they built the, the the walls around the temple in Jerusalem because that was holy and the holiest of holies. And that's what we should be doing on our Sundays. We, we should be building a wall around that, which is sacred in our lives. And there should be nothing more sacred than our families, than our marriages, um, primarily our marriages first. And then your children do well if your marriage is, is going well, right? So mm-hmm. it became, after I heard that, it was a big wake up call. And we actually just recently listened to it again. And it just is, was incredibly edifying. And so some of the things that we try to do is, not use our phones on Sunday. We did really a good job at that for a while and then totally slipped again. But it was to the point where everybody actually understood and family knew to only contact us on the Saturday Mm -hmm. and arrange if they were going to see us on the Sunday. And I said, you know what, I'll check my phone for two seconds to see if you've canceled plans on the Sunday or whatever. But we try to use no screens on Sundays. Um, And we we try to open up our home to anybody that wants to come over for a meal on Sundays that we have to balance out too, though, because, um, I end up doing a ton of cooking and running around to do that. So we were actually just talking about how to have people over on Sundays after mass, our mass is at three in the afternoon. So it's, Mm -hmm. we do dinner after, um, how to have people in our home and walking them in and be great hosts, but not be running around like crazy people trying to cook right after mass. Um, so we've been trying to kind of look at that again, but it is family time. So it's about welcoming people into our home. It's about feeding them. And then as we get into the winter months, we actually light candles at night. We put on the record player and we've also been listening to old time radio shows, mystery radio shows from the 1930s and forties with our children and just laying back and closing our eyes and and you hear the great voice actors and you kind of have to imagine it all in your head, but really carving out that time on Sundays. And we avoid unnecessary labor, which is, as you know, really hard with six people in a house to not tidy for one day, Mm -hmm. aside from doing the dishes, because we only have a few dishes. Um, It's insane. Like, it does mean, and the reality of this is that Monday is a huge wake-up call for mom who has to wake up and deal with even the one day of just chaos in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, but a Sunday well spent is, oh, there's a saying, I'm forgetting it now. A Sunday spent in rest is a Sunday well spent or a week well spent or something. There's a good saying. We'll, oh, we'll have okay. to look it up. 
Yes. That's and yes, it sets the tone for the whole week. So we have worked really hard over the last couple of years at really, really putting a wall around our Sundays and just making it all about God and then through God, all about our family. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. The Sunday thing, uh, we're still trying to work out. My husband, um, He's now finally gotten off an on-call rotation. So mm-hmm. I know you understand, too, mm-hmm. with um, people who have to work on the weekends. Yep. That's something really tricky to figure out. Um, and so we're still trying to find our, our footing on that. But I guess uh, one thing that we really do, we love to have family time. Um, and on Fridays, we have, for the last year, we've been setting aside Friday nights as oh. a family movie night. And so it's been nice since everyone has been out at school, Phil's been out at work, the baby and I are in and around the house or running errands or whatever. Friday night just seems to be the natural time where it's like a a for sure thing now for a few days we've all come home. And so we order pizza Mm -hmm. and that's our pizza and our movie night. And it has it has been a real breath of fresh air. And I thought um, at first I didn't want to make it a, a permanent thing. Our kids are still rather young because I was like, oh, but I might want them to go to bed early. But do you know what? Um, it has it has paid off in dividends mm-hmm. in other ways to be able to spend time with them that is not focused on accomplishing something. Yeah. Yep. which I never realized I never ha- we didn't have a lot of. So that has been an education, the Friday That's movie excellent. nights. Um, I tend to do what with my homeschooling. We homeschool four days a week, and then I don't homeschool on Fridays. And Friday is clean the house. Like I clean, obviously, you know this about me. I clean every day, but Friday's the big clean so that when Jason has done work, now that we have these these actual weekends, when he comes home from work, that's not what we're spending our weekend doing. So mm-hmm. everything is clean by Friday. And the idea of just settling in with pizza and a movie every Friday night, if we were to like make that our habit, would just be wonderful. Because my kids can finally sit through a movie. And yes. <laughs> a whole movie, right? Like you can actually sit almost the whole time without them pinching each other or kicking and fighting and spilling the bowl of popcorn. So it's a whole a new world. It is a whole new world. <laughs> whole new Aladdin. World. That's your next movie choice. <laughs> We've done Aladdin. And Jafar gets scary at the end, just as a warning to people who don't quite remember it from their childhood. I was like, oh my. All of the Disney movies get scary. I, w- I went to show the kids Snow White a couple of years ago and forgot about how she's literally demanding that his he be butchered in the forest and that his heart be brought back to her in a box. I'm like, okay, this is terrifying. <laughs> You keep trying to like uh, make up quick metaphors. Yeah. Yeah. Because, oh, when she says butcher, she really means, you know, yeah. 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 (laughs) Who wants more pizza? That's right. (laughs) So, what have you been loving over the last week? So I have been loving a new, well, it's actually not a new podcast, new to me podcast since the beginning of the summer. It's called the Popcast. 
And their hosts, the hosts are Knox McCoy and Jamie Golden, and they make me laugh out loud like no one has ever done. Uh, I can't listen to this podcast when I go for my evening walks around the neighborhood because I feel like neighbors would be looking out their window and saying, she's laughing to herself again. What is this woman's deal? Um, but they, the tagline for this podcast is educating you on the things that entertain but ultimately do not matter. Mm. So it's just something nice. I love to learn and listen to podcasts that will teach me something, but sometimes you just want a break and these people deliver. If you're at all interested in movies or TV shows or books and the pop culture in general, you will get a kick out of these two. And then they also have a side podcast called The Bible Binge, where they recap popular stories in the Bible as if they were TV shows or movies. And uh, they are practicing Christians. Uh, they are, I have not found them to be offensive uh, in any way. And I, I have actually learned a lot of historical context listening to the two of them banter about characters that I, I have heard about my entire catechetical life <laughs> growing up in the church. So that would be my first thing that I'm loving, the podcast and the Bible binge. Is the Bible binge obviously is it it's child friendly, right? Like I could have my kids listen to that one? Um I I can't say 100% right now, so mm-hmm. I will avoid giving my full-on stamp of approval. Okay. Uh, there might be like a line or two. There's no profanity. Okay. Um, it just might be some themes. Okay. I'll, I'll say that. So that's really up to a parent's discretion, I would say. Okay. Um, that's depending cool on the maturity though. of your child. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? What's your first love lo- thing that you're loving this week? Well, I'll jump to my podcast love because if we'll talk podcasts. So uh, yes. um, I'm a massive fan of Tea and Tattle podcast um, hosted mm-hmm. by Miranda Mills. And it's a British podcast of two women just talking about life. <laughs> surprise, surprise. And um, But they have really nice British accents. And Michelle and I do not have British accents. No, um, sorry. Yeah, sorry about that. We thought about putting them on for you guys. But yeah, I'm terrible at accents. <laughs> um, no. So Tea and Tattle podcast, she actually um, took the break off like she took the summer off from recording and I was devastated and it's one of the few podcasts I would pay for like if they if she started asking for people to pay for it I absolutely would um but one of the they're starting a new um book club and so the first book for their book club is The Shooting Party which was I believe written in 1980 by Isabel Colgate and I never join book clubs or try to follow one cuz I I read every night but I have my own schedule but I'm reading this one because I trust Miranda Mills so much mm-hmm. and so I'm reading it and it's a murder mystery I believe it's a murder mystery I'm not at the murder yet but in a country house um in 1913 right at the dawn before World War 2 break or World War 1 breaks out so it's everything I love country house um you know <laughs> mystery and just like murder. A perfect Edward and murder. I'm really you hoping there's it. a murder. She said, like, <laughs> I swear there's gotta be a murder. Um, so that's what I'm reading right now. I am. And I, and I highly recommend the tea and tattle podcast. What's another thing you're loving? Well, what I'm reading this week, I'm still working my way through is a book by Kate Morton. Uh, This particular one is called The Secret Keeper. And uh, what I love about Kate 
Morton books, if you're a fan of hers, then you'll know she is a master of weaving one story through several time periods. And the story jumps uh, back and forth, sometimes between uh, two or as many as like three or four different uh, people involved in that storyline, but at different parts of their lives. It sounds confusing, but she does it so masterfully that it completely sucks you in. And The Secret the secret Keeper um, is a story that takes place, uh, well, in some parts <laughs> during the Second World War. And then uh, it's this, this girl who at 16 witnesses uh, something terrible and she's trying to come to terms with it and it goes back into her mother's life into her life into like another side character's life back in the in history and she is a she is a captivating author so I'm I'm really enjoying it and I'm just at the part where you know when you hit that part in a book where now you just can't stop reading mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So up until that point, you can read a chapter and put it down and then you hit like and it's different for every book. So you can't even anticipate and you just know you're like, oh, no, now now things aren't going to get done because I'm I have done to for her. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and she does that well. Isn't so. that the greatest feeling? And see, this perfectly ties in with this, you know, the how we want to slow down our lives and move away from the So put your feet up on top of the laundry and get into that book when you get hit that part like just surrender to it mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. oh my goodness it's there's what greater glory is that than the wind howling outside which it's been doing the last two days here yes. and i just love that sound and mm-hmm. just reading a good book yeah and what are you reading because you are always reading i am well i just finished mm-hmm. heidi believe it or not so in my okay. <laughs> I, I laugh because, you know, as I've mentioned before, I'm doing my read all the books, read all the classics that I've downloaded onto my Kindle that I've never read before. So this is my year for 2018 as I'm just reading everything that might be considered a classic, whether it's young adult fiction um, throughout, you know, to harder stuff. And so um, I hit Heidi and some of this I'm pre-reading so that my daughter who's 11 can read it. And so I did that with The Secret Garden and now I'm doing it with this. And Heidi was lovely. It was such a great book. And just, again, I have such a passion for the Alps right now. I'm just so like Austria, Switzerland obsessed. So just reading it and wanting to see everything that's described in that book. So your next big question is where in the world can you travel where you can stay on an estate? near the Alps while practicing huga. <laughs> <laughs> Does such a place exist? Oh, yes, because we've been looking at places like that. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're booking my big 40th, right, which is two years yeah. from now. And as everybody who's traveled has told me, because we have never actually traveled, they said, honestly, 80% of the fun is planning it. And that's so that we're in that stage. And uh, Jason and I are, are big fans of the Relais and Chateau. Relay and Chateau Company, and they okay. own um, high-end inns around the world. And so when you're like us and you don't get to travel ever, um, when you do get the one chance, you we're going to stay at a, a few pretty nice places. And so Relay and Chateau actually owns quite a few properties in the Alps. And so we were looking at those and oh they're outstanding. And then um, we we're also looking like Northern Italy and Lake Como because you still get kind of the Alps, but you're also in Italy. So it's a really neat area. I don't know if we'll end up being there, but we're definitely looking. And then as a total side, okay, this is so funny because I, I love that for all of those higher literary reasons, but 
I also love it because a James Bond book takes place also in the Alps, and it's one of the best James Bond books that I read. And, he, and the whole story, and there's actually like a ski chase scene where he's like being chased after by assassins down the hills on skis. But they also talk about like the food in the restaurant and the sun on the Alps, but the, and they're like sunbathing, but there's snow. And so, of course, thank you, James Bond, for also making me love the Alps. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You need to, like, uh, when you do go on this trip, mm -hmm. I need to see your pictures. Oh, yes. And your Insta stories because it sounds like you are going to be doing a lot of varied things. Okay, I think that's going to do it for us this week, Lindsay. So we just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode of the Modern Lady Podcast. We are so thankful for you to spend your time with us and we want you to check us out on Instagram at the Modern Lady Podcast and on Facebook by the same name, the Modern Lady Podcast. Send us a comment, um, ask us a question, tell us what you're reading right now, tell us what you're loving and your thoughts on the glorification of being busy. But Michelle and I are just so thankful that you spent this time with us. We know how busy everyone is, but we hope that you were able to maybe put your feet up with a cup of tea and have a listen. Thanks so much, everyone. We'll see you next week.